Hi, my name's Bill. I'm the producer of this and many other podcasts. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more platforms. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Now, obviously, as a producer, I'd like you to hire someone like me, but in this case, it gives a great platform to get you going quickly. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. See you out there. There are two things parents hope to give their children, roots and wings. But it's often hard to know if the decisions we're making are the right ones, especially when the world is changing so quickly. Welcome to That's a Good Question, where you'll hear expert eye-opening advice, tips, strategies to help you uncover the answers. That's a Good Question is sponsored by Good Life Family Magazine a trusted resource for sandwich generation parents who are navigating the twists and turns of life sandwiched between their kids and their aging parents while trying to keep themselves sane in the process. Now your hosts, Cheryl Lily Pigeon and Michael Tinglin. Hi, I'm Cheryl, and I'm here with my co-host, Michael Tinglin. We are parents, and if you're like us, you've got a lot of questions. In every episode of That's a Good Question, you'll hear from experts who will help us uncover the answers. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Um, Now we're going to welcome our first guest, Deborah Dobbs, who's the executive director of The Counseling Place, a nonprofit that provides professional and affordable free counseling services. Deborah, thank you for joining us today. Um, I'd like for you, my first question is, I'd like for you to tell us a bit about The Counseling Place and why you're so passionate about what you do. Well, The Counseling Place uh, has been around since 1979. And uh, back then, you know, we've gone through, I think, three name changes. Um, But we've been in the mental health business for decades. And we're all about uh, helping people recover mental health, strengthening mental health, and uh, maintaining mental wellness. Most of our clients are victims of crime or some type of crisis, so it's reactive. And uh, over the decades, I've learned that mental health is at the root of so many of our struggles and even social problems. So while I, I do think that healing is is invaluable, uh, investing in mental health is equally valuable. So I'm, I'm, that's why I'm so passionate about mental health. I'm not actually a therapist either. So it's kind of ironic. I run a mental health agency, but I'm a sociologist, and I've just grown to have this appreciation for uh, mental health. It's fantastic. What you're doing is so important. So I guess our, our, our question day, today is really in two parts. There always seems to be a stigma surrounding the term mental health. So why, why is there that stigma, and what can we do to overcome that for the sake of getting ourselves and our loved ones the need they, you know, the help they need. I think there's a lot that, so I see stigma like this dragon, okay, and there's so many things to feed the dragon, and it might be cultural 
stuff. It might be spiritual things that uh, there's a lot of mystery around mental health. Uh, And there were, you know, years where we didn't do a great job. You know, people were still learning about how to, you know, what treatments to provide. So as we learn more and more about brain health, I think that'll chip away at the stigma. But I think a lot of it still, it, it seems abstract. And I think also when people, when they hear mental health, they immediately go to mental illness. And there's a lot in between. And then there's so much. Even even mental illness, we don't, we don't freak out when somebody has the flu. But if somebody says, I'm struggling with depression, everything changes. Like, oh, okay. Like, like it's a, you know, some kind of death sentence or it's a weakness. And um, so I think there's a lot of variables that, that feed that stigma. Definitely. Deborah, and I think too, as uh, parents. I have, I have another question real quick. Yeah. Deborah, could you explain to the audience the difference or uh, your definition uh, between mental illness and mental health? I think that the best way I would explain that is just to compare it to physical health. So I think if, I, I really feel like you have this spectrum. So, for instance, you <laughs> I'm slightly overweight. I am not going to be running a marathon. I eat OK. You know, I eat probably five days a week. I eat pretty healthy. And today I'm not going to. You know, yesterday I had a big old cheeseburger. <laughs> My cholesterol is a little high. So, you know, I'm pretty healthy. And I think that we need to start looking at mental health that way, too. So you in, so you have a spectrum. It's not one extreme or the other. And I think very few of us, even the most mentally healthy people, aren't just zen, calm all the time. Yeah. Um, and then just with physical health, we might get the flu or we may... Is we may take care of ourselves and still get cancer. And I feel like with mental health, you have the same thing. You might have your symptoms can develop into a disorder. If I don't treat my allergies, let's say I let my allergies run wild, I'm going to get a sinus infection. And then if I don't have treatment for that sinus infection, uh, I'm going to get really sick. And so I think that we need, if we look at mental health that way, that's wellness. I think that uh, that kind of helps both address, I don't like addressing this stigma, like, you know, the title, I want to, we need to slay it because it, it's killing people. Um, but I think that that helps us if we, if we look at it more of a continuum, I think that then it's an easier way to understand health and illness. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Thank you so much for that. I agree. And as parents, um, it, it's particularly uh, challenging um, to, a, to acknowledge and address that 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 our kids could be struggling with something or mm-hmm. for ourselves or or our aging parents so it's so important like you said to slay that dragon of mm-hmm. of mental health and educate people you know what exactly what it is and how, why it's why it's perfectly not just acceptable but important for them to um, get the help they need and, and you mentioned the kids you know and there's a stigma, maybe even stronger, when it comes to your own children needing help. And I think that too many parents feel like they're a failure if they have to seek assistance for their children or their teens. And the truth is we are not given a manual. You know, when I when I gave birth to my daughter, I couldn't believe they just they put her in my <laughs> arms and and just 
okay, you take this person home and there's no manual, <laughs> you know? Well, here you so, go. I remember it exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And so why, why on earth should we just know how to help our kids when a friend commits, you know, dies by suicide or uh, this coronavirus, the, the pandemic? or natural disasters. We don't have this knowledge inherent in us. Um, the, and it's nothing, you know, fluffy. Again, it's not something abstract. This is brain development, especially with kids and teens. What comes into uh, play is their brain development as well. So I was just talking to a 14-year-old yesterday about this. And he was interested about in grief. He had had a friend die by suicide years a couple years ago and i was talking to him about how his feelings are normal he needs to give himself uh, space to breathe and to grieve and that guess what man it kind of stinks but your brain isn't done cooking and the part of your brain that makes good decisions and um, that that's your prefrontal cortex that thing isn't going to be finished forming until you're into your 20s so you're already struggling with making good decisions uh, and then you have this dumped on you it's a lot and we're not we're not born with the knowledge of how to manage that parents like I said, we don't get instructions for how to deal with this. We do the best we can. Exactly. Uh, but there's a lot to learn. So why not enlist the help of someone that this is what they do and they know about child development and they know about the teen's brain. And um, and so that I think that if, if more people can look at it that way, that helps slay that stigma as well. Absolutely. That's so well said. So like, for example, um, we let's say we're, you know, we're the parent, we recognize that um, our child is struggling. And, and we know that there's there's something going on there. And, and we're even perhaps a, a pretty uh, conversational family. So we, we talk to each other pretty often. But we, we realize that that it's something above our, our above our pay grade, so to speak, mm -hmm. kind of like what you said, we just don't have that information. That's not our expertise. Uh, what do you suggest for ways to um, broach that topic with our kids, that subject, so that they don't think that there's something wrong with them or that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're broken in some way and they need to be fixed by this, this physician, you know, this right. doctor? What do you, what do you think? Um, what, what, what might we do to uh, make that an easier process? Well, I think that it helps to talk about mental health all the time. You know, I mean, not incessantly, but you mean you, you have this a part of, of your normal conversation rather than only when something's wrong. Just like you want your children, like my kid would eat mac and cheese every day if I let her. Uh, <laughs> she's got to eat some vegetables and fruits and get some protein in there. I also have uh, we also practice gratitude. So practicing gratitude actually changes your brain for the better and it establishes new neural pathways. So it's a contribution to her mental health that we do daily. And so I think that because we talk about that, we're having that conversation about mental health before there's a problem. And then it's easier to, to broach that subject if you do have concerns. Now, if you're already at that point where you're having concerns, I think that you can just flat out ask uh, your your kiddo, how, how are you feeling? Or what do you think about this? And what's on your mind lately? Open-ended questions. It's even better if you're doing something, like go for a walk. 
if the kid's younger, color, draw, do something. Don't just ask them, how are you doing? You know, they're just going to say fine, especially if they're a teen. Um, so to have that conversation, that's usually what it, the teens talk a lot in the car. They'll start Absolutely. talking in the car. Yeah, that's true. I found that. that. So if you run they open up. What? They open up way more when you're in a in the process of a of a trip or to your point in activity. Mm-hmm. And and also when you're near the car that you're looking forward and sometimes it's easier to have a conversation if you're not being stared at in the eyeballs, yes. you know, and this you're not true. intimidating. Um or it's not an interrogation, it's a conversation mm-hmm. and and they they I think that's an excellent point, you know, just when you're driving, I mean, carpool yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever, um, you know, going out for lunch or whatever. Especially now, because they just want to get a lot. A lot of them just want to get out. And yeah, so, just get out the house. Yes. With this quarantine going on. Yeah. Yeah. This is a true thing. Sonic's kind of a cool place to go. OK, it's not healthy. <laughs> but you yes. Can sit. You're sitting and you're eating and you're in the car. So yes. Got, and you kind of hang out a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, De- Deborah, yeah. I have a follow up for you, though. As a parent, I find it hard to find information on this subject that kind of, you know, tease up what you just said. Like, I thought it was interesting that you said, don't just ask them, try to have an activity associated with it. So is there a, a good place to get some of this information and educate yourself on it in general? There's a lot out there and I'm trying, you know, there's I can't say there's bad information out there. But there's a ton of it if you go online. But you can look at, like, even, like, Psychology Today. Uh-huh. UC Berkeley has, um, it's on it. They have a the Greater Good Institute, and they've got some good stuff. Uh, they have a, I think it's a weekly newsletter. Christina Carter wrote a book called Raising Happiness. I really mm-hmm. like that. Because it's, uh, she's a sociologist, too. But she wrote... Um, a lot of activities you can do, like daily, like habits you can do. Like she has like a gratitude jar. And so you write down what you're grateful for and you put it in the jar. And then at dinner, she's she's a big fan of having uh, dinner like three to five times a week. And then you can go over, you know, discuss the gratitude. It's like all you focus on. But so, you know, there's some stuff out there and we can we can talk more about that. Okay, so when we return, um, Deborah will speak to us about how social media can negatively affect your mental health. At Star Power, the safety of our customers and staff remain a top priority, and we'll continue to provide you the essential products and services you need to operate your home and business, home appliances, networking solutions, and more. In order to ensure your safety and provide convenience, Star Power offers private showroom to car delivery or at home delivery and in-home and virtual consultations with our experts. Visit GetStarPower.com to call, chat online, or request a quote. Welcome back to That's a Good Question. Today we have Deborah Doggs, the Executive Director of the Counseling Place in Richardson, Texas. Um, Deborah, before we went on break, we were talking about um, how to best uh, broach the topic of mental health with our teens. And we know that social media is a huge influence. Can you speak to us about that? I could speak to you about that for a long time. So I'm going to try to uh, take some snapshots. Um, first of all, navigating social media for parents, is it, for most of us, especially if we have teens, it's social media is a new phenomenon. We did not grow up with social media. I think MySpace might have been something that was out there. 
now it's it's so prevalent and it changes one you know different apps pop in and out my stance on social media is that i see very little good that it can do for mental health i mean if you think about even as adults you're on there um, it's, you know, everything is awesome. Everything is happy. Everything's great. And, you know, the filters and, and the comparisons and, and it's, uh, it can cause people to think that their lives are, you know, not good and they're lacking or they're not keeping up with the Joneses. And, and with teens, it's, 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 uh, like a hundredfold and they're comparing themselves to often older older people, especially with girls, what I've noticed is the the constant, incessant selfies and filters. And this is how, this is how we want you to, to look. This is how you should look. And they're mm-hmm. unattainable, just, just like the magazines used to be. Yep. But now you've got just millions of them out there. Um, I kind of look at social media like, all right, you want to protect your kids, right? Um, we want the best for our kids. We don't want to put our kids in, in harm's way. So I, I look at it like, would you, let's see, we have this warehouse, okay? And it's uh, there's there's windows and the outside world can look at your kiddo. And then, but your kiddo can't see the people that are looking in on them. What your kiddo might see are the influencers. All right, so they're going to get this message as they're walking through this warehouse. Oh, here's all these beautiful people, and their lives are so perfect, and you need to be like this person to be popular, to be worthy. But on the other side of the windows, what you can't see are people that you don't want looking at your kiddo. And, right. and the teens think that the stuff they put out there, they don't get it. Like I said earlier, their prefrontal cortex is not formed. Right. Mm-hmm. So they don't make the best decisions. It's kind of like running a marathon with a sprained ankle. All right. Mm-hmm. So they don't really grasp these things. These images I put up there are out there forever. And they think with Snapchat, they can delete it. Now, they don't. Not if someone takes a screenshot. And, and it's then, on that server anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, they're not. The company's not deleting it. So. So do you want to. So when when you when you give a a teen unfettered access to these social media apps. Think of the warehouse. Think of who is in there influencing and then who is watching your children, your teens, that you don't want watching your teens. And I just, I try to look at it that way uh, because it is still kind of foreign to us and I can't navigate the apps. I mean, it's, I, I, if I, I just took Instagram away. I, it was too complicated and my daughter doesn't have a whole lot of people to talk to because they don't share phone numbers anymore. They share Snap. So and true. she will not have Snap. And I and she doesn't even have Instagram because there's so much negativity there. Uh, if you want to if, if you do want to let your kids have social media, there there is a good uh, common sense media. OK, that's a I believe it's a dot org common sense media dot org. Mm-hmm. And they they will review the apps and they'll rate them. And well, they that's do movies good. and stuff too, books, movies. But they started with a lot of this, I believe, the social media. And so that's one that, you know, I get those weekly emails too. Even though my kid doesn't have any social media, I still read those. Mm-hmm. So do you think, and we talked about this in teens, but do you think um, social media has been affecting adults negatively as far as their mental health and wellness is concerned? I, I do. I think that especially you've got, the pandemic is politicized. Mm-hmm. You have this perfect storm or 
perfect storms colliding. You mm-hmm. have a pandemic, you have an election. A lot of people will say things they would never say in person. They'll put it in mm-hmm. the comment section. Some really hateful stuff. doesn't matter mm-hmm. what side of the fence politically you're on. You can see it. And how can that be good for anybody, you know, when you're right. immersed in that? So that alone, plus not to mention the, you know, the algorithms keep you in there. And, the algorithms and seem to uh, push and promote certain messaging. Yep. And I think that there's been a case recently showing that there is actually an ad connection to promoting uh, what we what we might term as hate speech. Mm. There was money to be made. That that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And the algorithms just, um, you know, is not a person. So the, the algorithm is just doing what is it's programmed to do. So, yeah, you're correct. There is there seems to be like a perfect storm right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just know that a lot of people, especially adults uh, that I've spoken to recently, are in, a, of course, a heightened state of anxiety. More so than I've ever heard, everyone seems to be dealing with anxiety and or depression mm-hmm. simultaneously. Right. The the situation we're in right now, even just with the virus, has uh, been referred to by trauma experts as a pre-trauma event. And if you look at mm-hmm. a, a trauma, and I don't, when I talk about trauma, it's like life-threatening. It's not, mm-hmm. I didn't make the football team. It's, you know, life-threatening type of danger or, or legit danger. And, and you'll have these elements in place in, in when you have a, a traumatic incident. It's usually there's a loss of sense of time. Uh, there's multiple elements of a name. Okay, so we have no sense of an end to the pandemic. You have mm-hmm. a loss of mobility. Sometimes you're you know, physically restrained. All right, we have restraints on our movement uh, right now with the reaction to try to slow the spread of the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have got a lack of privacy. Okay, we've got that. We're all cooped up together. Uh, even, you know, p- even just finding a chair to sit in, like, here's my timeout spot. Please don't bother me. I need some privacy. <laughs> my my only private room is the bathroom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we have a small house and my daughter was waiting for me on the other side of the bathroom door when I came out. I was like, look, I got to have some privacy. I got to have <laughs> one place where I can go and wow. not, not, not ever leap out at me when I walk out the door. We have this you know, natural fight or flight response when we're dealing mm-hmm. with a threat and you can't flee this thing. And it's really, you can't fight it. We're just at, you know, it's mercy right now. So, so yes, you're going to see a lot of people struggling with anxiety who's, who've never felt anxious before. And, and then mm-hmm. to that end, I think, again, as a parent, we're busy trying to, we know our kids are taking the cl- our, their cues on mm-hmm. how to handle this from us. So we're busy, um, you know, trying to make it okay um, or find a way to make it better. And and we're, we're not always equipped to do that or we're not doing it as effectively as we mm-hmm. could. And, and sometimes we just, we need to, you know, not just, not just have a conversation with them if we can't have, you know, get to the end uh, result, but to really be able to feel our feelings mm-hmm. and express our feelings, we just may need we may need help to do that. And you, you also know? also with the kids, especially teens, being confined and restricted goes against their natural development. Okay, they're at a time in their lives where they are supposed to lean less on their parents and more on their friends, have more independence. I mean, that's the natural developmental stage, and it is thwarted 
I mean, we're suffocating them. And then going to school, they finally get to go back to school. Well, it's not the same when you have masks on and they're all having to walk in one direction. I heard about kids having to eat in the hallway because only so many people were allowed in the cafeteria. And mm-hmm. So they don't even get, nothing's normal Correct. right now. And their social interactions are so uh, stunted. They can't, you know, their sports programs are, are thwarted. There's so many obstacles in their way. And they're, they're really struggling with that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because we've, we are not prepared for this. No one knows how to do this. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. So we're doing the best we can. But I think it's important that we keep getting good information, accurate information, mm-hmm. and, and talk to our kids and say, you know, we, we're struggling too. But we're going to get through this together. You know, we're, I'm looking out for your safety. You're loved. And, and we will get through it. But this is new for everyone. And I think it's important that we know that there's resources like the counseling place, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So that leads into to, uh, me wanting a little bit you know, more background on you. You've been with the counseling place for over 24 years, and 11 of them as executive director. Right. And we know that it's incredibly hard for a nonprofit to fundraise during this time. Um, tell our listeners how they could help you at the counseling place. So we, you know, we have that type of uh, nonprofit where we can't rely on volunteers. Like a food pantry mm-hmm. can have 100 volunteers. We, we have licensed professionals that deliver our services. So funding is imperative for us. And so, you know, one thing that's very frustrating for me is this tendency to fund. Not that, okay, hotlines are important, okay? I, they are. But if you don't have services to provide to people, then hotlines can be extremely mis- discouraging, and awareness campaigns, 5Ks to raise awareness about suicide. If they don't, if they don't fund organizations that provide the services, then you're really you're encouraging people to get help when there's no help, and and it's cruel. So yeah. what we need, there's very few nonprofit mental health agencies in our area, and we need funding too. And and to that end, um, you know, I've been working with the counseling place for many years through through you know through our our work together. And one of the things that really hit me was that counseling, you know, people are, are also know that there's a, a high cost uh, and expense to counseling. So sometimes they're hesitant to get the help they need. Mm-hmm. And the counseling place has that sliding scale availability. Right. So, you know, in some cases, it's completely free to get the counseling, but so- somewhere you have to have the financial support right. to be able to continue to do those important services. And so, you know, we encourage people who, you know, who want to get involved or are passionate about this cause to, you know, to really consider how they can help uh, the counseling place and, and nonprofits like yours. And we really appreciate what you do every day. Thank you, Deborah, for joining us today and enlightening us. We would like to tell our audience that they could get more information at thecounselingplace.org or goodlifefamilymag.com. We're living, we're learning, and we are here for you. Life is good. We're here to make it better. Got a question? We've got answers. Go to goodlifefamilymag.com and click, that's a good question.